Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. On January 27th, 1956, a 27-year-old man in Montgomery, Alabama was in his kitchen in the middle of the night when suddenly his phone rang. He picked it up, and before he could even say hello, the voice on the other end said this. Listen, we've taken all we want from you. Before next week, you'll be sorry you ever came to Montgomery. We're tired of your mess. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow up your house and blow your brains out. The man hung up the phone without saying a word, but he was very shaken. He had come to Montgomery at the urging of a friend who had encouraged him to become president of the Montgomery Improvement Association. This was the group that was leading the Montgomery bus boycott, the one inspired by Rosa Parks. And he had become president of that group because he thought the boycott was going to end quickly. But it didn't. It would eventually last over a year. But after the first two months, he turned in his resignation to the MIA board. But they refused to accept it. This man was full of self-doubt and worry. Wondering if what he was doing was making any difference at all. And then, to make matters worse, he was getting death threats light from this anonymous caller in the middle of the night. And so after hanging up the phone, he prayed. And he said this, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I still think I'm right. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. Now I'm afraid. And I can't let people see me like this. Because if they see me weak and losing my courage, then they'll begin to get weak. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength or courage, then they too will falter. I'm at the end of my power. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. Quite often, we think of Martin Luther King Jr. as a man who is as strong as a rock. We picture him as unshakable as that Stone of Hope statue of him in D.C., He's one of our national heroes. His day on the calendar is tomorrow. But he had worries and self-doubts too. He lost sleep wondering how he was supposed to deliver this message and how the people were going to respond. Many times King has been called a modern-day prophet. And I think if we look at today's first reading that he's especially similar to the prophet Samuel. So, let's recap Samuel's story. 
Samuel was the son of Hannah, a woman who couldn't have children for the longest time. And she prayed that if she ever had a son, that she would dedicate him to God. Well, after God heard her prayer, she had Samuel. And she was good on her word. When Samuel was a young boy, she brought him to the temple to learn under the priest Eli. Now, Eli already had two sons of his own, both of whom were priests like their father. But they were corrupt. They had been stealing offerings at the temple and were even sleeping around with some of the women there. And Eli hadn't really done anything to stop them. Shortly after that, we get today's reading. And it starts off with that funny scene that many of us know. Samuel hears this voice calling him in the middle of the night, thinks it's Eli, and rushes in to wake him up. But Eli tells him, go back to bed. And this happens three times. And after the third time, Eli realizes that it's really God calling Samuel. And so he tells Samuel, next time it happens, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And usually that's where we stop the reading. We focus on this funny scene and on this call. But the serious message from God is just as important. God told Samuel to tell Eli that he and his sons were basically fired. They were no longer fit to serve as priests. Eli's sons were so corrupt and Eli hadn't done enough to stop them, so now they're done. And it's Samuel's job to deliver the bad news. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, Samuel was probably about 12 years old when this happened. So imagine yourself as Samuel. You're 12 years old. You've been living with your elderly mentor, who's been like a grandfather type to you. And you've grown close to him and his sons. They've basically become your family. And now, in the middle of the night... You get this message from God that says you have to tell them they're fired. The text says Samuel lay there until morning. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. This is where I see the similarity between Samuel and Martin Luther King Jr. Both of them had this important text this calling by God, and they were both scared to do it. They knew the message was important, but they wondered how people would respond. And both were in the right place at the right time to say something. Right? Because King was improved in the Montgomery Improvement Association, he was able to speak out. And because Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, he was able to deliver this news to Eli. So how did Eli respond? Well, in the morning, Eli basically begged Samuel to tell him what God said. 
Samuel told him. And then Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. In other words, Eli knew there was nothing he could do to change God's decision. And then the final verses of the reading say this. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Nothing Samuel said in his life was worthless or ineffective. Yes, he was scared, but God still worked through him. He became a trustworthy prophet because God used him. God had him at the right place at the right time to do something. Just like Martin Luther King Jr., Because after that phone call and that prayer in the middle of the night, Cain heard an answer. As he told the story, he heard Jesus say to him, quote, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. As King put it, I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me. This was a pivotal moment in King's life. It gave him the strength and the courage he needed to keep going. Sometimes we are afraid to do the right thing or say the right word. Sometimes we're afraid to speak up and stand out. But that fear could very well be a hint that what you're called to say is worth saying. Now that doesn't mean that every time we're afraid to say something that God has sent us to say that. Instead, it means that sometimes telling a message from God is not so easy. But God still calls you to do it. And I know maybe you don't feel like Samuel or Cain. Maybe you've never heard an audible voice of God. Maybe you've never had death threats for how you're changing society. But God still uses you. God's call isn't limited to people who seem rock-solid, like Samuel or King, because they weren't rock-solid. Only God is rock-solid. Even in their fear, though, they trusted God, and God still used them, just like how God still uses you. Plus, think of this. Like Samuel and King, perhaps you 
are the one who's in the right place at the right time to say something. You are the one who has your role in your family. You are the one who has your job at work or your place at school. You are the one who is friends with your friends. You have a unique role in this world that nobody else has. The things you know, the experiences you've had, the people you're connected to, you are in the right place at the right time to make a difference. And even when we're scared and hesitant, we can take comfort in that promise that King heard in his kitchen. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. Because of that, because of Jesus's faithfulness to us, because he uses regular people like Samuel and King and you and me, we can't help but say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In the name of the one who is God's word in the flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.